verse number one. Amen. And while you're turning there to the book of Genesis, amen, it should be but a few pages in your Bible. Amen. If your Bible's like mine, you might have lost a page or two. Sometimes I'm not sure if that's a, it's a good thing that my Bible's falling apart, Brother Josh, or it just means I need a new Bible. Amen. They say if your Bible's falling apart, chances are your life probably is not. So it's a good thing if you got a tatted up Bible. Amen. Not because you've been stomping on it in anger, in spite of the Word of God, but because you've been using it and reading it and flipping back and forth in the pages of the Holy Book. Amen. Where there's direction. Amen. There's godly counsel. Amen. And while, um, before we go to reading the scripture in Genesis chapter 3, by way of announcements, amen, we are encouraging as many as are able to and would like to go to First Church Camp Meeting, San Jose Camp Meeting, um, happening tomorrow, uh, tomorrow morning, tomorrow night, and Friday morning and Friday night. And I do believe, amen, we have uh, someone to drive the van. For those that would like to go, amen, there's no charge. Um, I believe even the food is free after service uh, once you get there, but there's no gas charge. We're going to be covering the gas for the van. Uh, but the van's going to be here at 6 p.m. tomorrow, uh, and then there'll be, it takes about an hour and a half probably with traffic. Um, and so that's happening tomorrow. Uh, that's happening Friday night. The van's going out only. Um, Sister Shannon has an announcement. Oh, no, I'm just making sure it's right. Yes, yes. Not tomorrow night. If you come tomorrow night, you might have to drive yourself. Amen. Or let us know if you if you, if somebody wants to go tomorrow night. Um, and there's enough that want to go. We can figure out a way to get the van. Uh, but just see me after service. But for sure, Friday night at 6 p.m. Meeting right here, the van, and going to be heading to uh, San Jose Camp Meeting. And then this coming Sunday is a very special uh, Sunday. It's Father's Day. We're going to be celebrating the fathers. And again, the children uh, at Sunday school are going to be presenting something to the fathers. And we'll be having a photo booth and a lot of good food and refreshments. And then coming up on uh, Friday night, the final Friday of June, is a men's night at at my home. It's at 730. And there's going to be a lot of good uh, food and fellowship free of charge. It's going to be a great time. But Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 1, and we're going to read just a few verses, and then we'll, we'll be seated, and we'll be cognizant of your time tonight. Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 1, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made, and he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. We read that scripture on Sunday, but we're reading it here, this scripture is uh, setting in a different context tonight. And verse number two says, And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the free of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God had said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. Amen. Direct uh, contradiction of the word of God. Uh, but verse number five says, uh, the serpent continues, For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods. That's a small lowercase g. Uh, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also to her husband with her, and he did eat. And Verse number 7 says that the eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together. Everybody say fig leaves. Fig leaves. They sewed fig leaves together. That's not much of a covering, just so you know. Uh, let your mind, uh, amen, you'll, you'll figure that out. They sewed fig leaves together, and they made themselves aprons. And then skipping over to verse number 21. Verse number 21, the same chapter, it says, Unto Adam also and to his wife, as Adam and Eve, did the Lord God make coats of skin and clothed them. Amen. God made coats of skin and clothed them or he covered them. And so I want to teach tonight for a few moments on does it really matter how I dress? Does it really matter how I dress? 
Amen. Let's ask the Lord to talk to us tonight for a few moments. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your presence that we feel here tonight, God. I'm thanking you, God, for the congregation that's gathered here tonight. Lord, I'm thanking you tonight, God, for the maturity of the saints of God. Hallelujah. That we've seen and we've experienced, God, and we've grown together. And God, I'm praying you would continue to grow us and mature us in the Lord and take us further in you, God. Give us understanding. Give us revelation. Give me wisdom of words in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated tonight. Amen. Does it really matter how I dress? Uh, I'm going to slow it down a little bit tonight. Uh, and, you know, occasionally um, on Wednesday nights, we're going we're gonna to slip into teaching here and there. Uh, that it might help us as a church to uh, to go forward in understanding and a revelation of the Word of God. Uh, the Bible says that the milk is for the babes, but for the meat is for them that are of uh, a full age and they're able to handle the, the meat of the Word of God. And um, it's it's wonderful and it's it's exciting and it's awesome to preach about uh, faith and to preach about. Deliverance and to preach about salvation, Holy Ghost, but there's also other topics in the Word of God that teach us how we are to live, and in this particular uh, message tonight, how we are to dress. Uh, and by the reading of the Word of God in Genesis chapter 3, uh, mankind did their best to cover their, their nakedness, their sin. Uh, they did what they thought was appropriate, what they thought was right, what they thought would cover their nakedness. And their shame and their sin. Uh, but when it came down to the brass tacks, God looked at them and said, it's not sufficient that you just have fig leaves covering. I'm going to give you a proper understanding of what it means to be clothed. I'm going to give you a proper understanding of what it means to, uh, to, be, to be clothed. And the coats of skin. And so I would say uh, from the onset tonight that it matters to God a great deal how we dress and how we uh cover our bodies and we cover our our sin, our nakedness. Uh, that is what is implied in Genesis chapter 3, that it is the nakedness, it is a shame, it is a sin that must be covered. And so it must be covered sufficiently. And that's why fig leaves are not sufficient, but there must be coats of skin. Uh, there must be some more adequate uh, means of covering our bodies. The coats of skin indicate the partial restoration of man and provided for peace with God. Uh, Adam felt that God did not wish to banish him for from uh, forever from his presence, nor to see him always as trembling and confused. Uh, Adam recognized from the very beginning of time that it wasn't the will of God that just because he sinned and just because he messed up, that God was forever going to uh, banish him from fellowship with him. But God was going to make a way, a means of escape. God was going to make a means of approaching him. Uh, and it was through the covering of their bodies. Um, Self-respect and progressiveness towards God came back with proper clothing. And they were accepted as tokens that God was desirous to work again with man and take him forward. Uh, does it really matter how I dress? It matters a whole lot how we dress. And we're going to kind of go through some uh, some uh, issues, some topics, point by point tonight in Jeremiah. And I would uh, tell you, amen, tonight as we move through this teaching, uh, I encourage you to get your Bibles out. And as I'm reading the scripture, go find it yourself. Amen. Go, go find it in your Bible. Flip your pages, the page of your Bible, and make sure you see it there for yourself. Uh, a long time ago, amen, a... Uh, our very first pastor, Brother Moses Gutierrez, uh, from what I recall and remember, uh, and when he would teach the Word of God, he would always say, don't take my word for it. Go find the scriptures for yourself. Go seek it out. Amen. And you should bring your Bible every, every time you come to church. Yes. Every time you come to church, you should have your Bible. Until, if you didn't bring your Bible, you forgot it. When you go to the dentist, what's one of the things that they ask every time you go to the dentist? Did you floss? Did you brush your teeth? How are you taking care of your teeth? Thinking, man, every time I come, they ask me the same question. And so what, what do we do? Five days before it's time for the dentist, just so we make sure our gums don't bleed, we start flossing vigorously. We make sure. They're not going to ask me that. Of course, they can tell because of the plaque buildup, but that's another story. But in the house of God, amen, we're as 
as we are approaching spiritual things, amen, it's my responsibility to ask you, did you read your Bible today? Did you pray today? Amen. Did you bring your Bible to the house of God? And it's so important. And so Jeremiah chapter 50 and verse number 2, it says it like this. Declare ye among the nations and publish and set up a standard. Publish and conceal not. In other words, don't hide it. Amen. There is a standard that uh, that must be set. Uh, and, the, and the Bible continues. Say Babylon is broken. Bel is confounded. Merodach is broken in pieces. Her idols are confounded. Her images are broken in pieces. Uh, I was following. Uh, I make it a point to kind of if I'm going to be on social media, um, I want to follow uh, preachers. I want to follow people that are living for God. I want to follow people that are not backslidden, people that are not uh, living in sin and being exposed to all the things that they're doing. So I made it a point to follow ministers, even if I don't know them. So I don't. One of the people I don't know yet, I haven't uh, spent a lot of time with him, is Brother Miles Young. Uh, Sister Anna knows him, and she's talked to him. But I follow Brother Miles Young. And he put a comment uh, a few weeks ago on uh, Instagram, and a few notes he put, and I, I, I wrote that down. Thought I need to share that with the church. It's very helpful. He says the standard must be declared and set. The standard must be declared and set. It is not to be concealed. It is to be published. The condition of the culture must be revealed that we live in. And that statement is taken. Uh, he took that, that statement directly from Jeremiah 50 and 2. Declare ye among the nations and publish and set up a standard. Publish and conceal not. And it is my duty, it is my obligation, amen, as a man of God, amen, to declare the standards of the word of God. And how we are, how we dress and outward appearance is an important element of holiness. It is an important element of holiness. It would be ludicrous to think that God would put his spirit in a vessel that he did not intend to be pure and clean, both within and without. Amen. If God's going to put his name upon a certain group of people, God wants to make sure that that people is adhering to the standard that he set in the word of God. Uh, just we mentioned, I think even last Sunday about the standard that Honda has uh, for their manufacturing of the vehicles. They're going to put their H emblem on that vehicle, and they're going to make sure that before they put that emblem on the vehicle and they send it out, Amen, to the uh, the car dealership to be sold. Uh, they're going to make sure that it goes down the inspection line. Everything that they set uh, as a standard is going to be met or exceeded for that particular vehicle, and there is a standard for the house. Of God, There's a standard for the people of God, how we live and how we conduct ourselves. And so from the Old Testament foundation of the vessels and people used for surface before the Lord, we know that God required both to be cleansed thoroughly, to use an unclean vessel or a priest to minister in the wrong clothing would be a desecration of holy things. There is throughout the scriptures as it pertains to the, the tabernacle and the priesthood. Uh, of the, the, the priests as they would approach the Holy of Holies, that priest had to be uh, in certain attire. It had to be clean. It had to have the right uh, emblems on it. It had to have everything just right. Uh, there was bells that were upon the uh, bottom of that priest's robe. And as that priest approached, uh, it, as, he, as that priest proceeded through the tabernacle, the bells were jingling. The bells were ringing. And they knew that as long as the bells were jingling, they were ringing. The priest was accepted by God and he was going to be okay and his life would be spared. But if perhaps as the priest proceeded through the tabernacle, proceeded through the temple and the bells that were previously jingling, jingling, they stopped ringing. They would know that priest was not accepted by God. Something that that priest did or did not do. Amen. God was not pleased with his behavior. And there was a rope that was tied to the bottom uh, of that priest's ankles. And if that priest uh, was not accepted by God, did not meet the standard that was set in the word of God, the, the people on the outside would grab that rope and they would pull that priest out of the tabernacle. There is a standard to be set in the word of God, how we live and how we conduct ourselves. And it means a whole lot to God. It means a whole lot to God. There was a standard, amen, that God had for the ark that was to be the means of salvation for the people of God. Amen. God gave uh, Noah specific instructions. How many cubits wide? How many cubits long? What type of wood to use? 
and what to pitch it with on the inside and on the outside. How many windows and how many doors. And, and no, you better not mess up, Bubba, because if you mess up, it could mean your salvation. It could mean you being lost. And God means what he says tonight when God gives us specific instructions. Amen. There are those that would say, amen, man looks on the outward appearance. But God looks on the heart. God looks on the heart. God sees my heart. God knows that I'm sincere. God knows that I'm sincere. God knows that I want to please him. And if and that is a true statement that God does look on the heart. And, that, and God means what he says. However, this verse can never, this verse never states that God approves of sinful or ungodly appearances. It simply means that God does not judge one by their physical beauty or lack of physical beauty. That statement that God looks on the heart was in reference to King Saul. The kings, the selection of the kings. God that man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. I'm not, I'm not concerned how tall you are or how short you are, how big or how small. Amen. What color of skin, uh, no matter what you look like, what matters to God's heart. And that's referring to the, uh, the, either the physical beauty or the lack of physical beauty. Amen. But there is a standard to be set. Amen. As we move through the word of God tonight, Deuteronomy chapter 22 and verse number 5. I need someone to read that for me. Amen. Deuteronomy chapter 22 and 5. Amen. Let's see who's going to win the sword drill tonight. Okay. Uh, the woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man, neither shall a man put on a woman's garment, for all that do so are abomination unto the Lord thy God. So the Bible clearly declares, amen, to us as a church that there's not to be, uh, there, there is to be a gender, gender distinction between the dress of man and a woman. It shouldn't be that a man and a woman wear the same clothing. They look the same way. They both wear pants or they both wear skirts, but the women are to wear the skirts, amen, they were to wear the dresses, whatever, uh, and the men are to wear the pants. The men are to wear that which pertaineth to a man, and the women wear that which pertaineth to a woman. First uh, Timothy chapter 2 and verse 8 through 10 says, I will that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel, with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array. But which becometh women, professing godliness with good works. Amen. God, in his word, commands uh, that we are to be modest in our dress. And that goes for men and women. You say, well, how does that go for the men? Obviously, we, uh, many of us know what we believe about how a woman should dress, but also a man. A man should not be wearing... Uh, such costly array like the Bible says and, and being very flashy. Amen. But uh, there should be modestness uh, for the woman. Amen. There's there's uh, lessons in modesty, which we could cover in greater depth in, in future lessons. But tonight, amen, as we relate as it relates to modesty, uh, it's to be covered for a woman to be covered. Uh, we believe and there's plenty of scripture that we're going to go through tonight and, and principles in the word of God. That led us to know that a woman, amen, should not be showing her her chest, should not be showing her her thighs. There's a specific scripture in the Word of God that lets us to know that a woman is not to show her thighs. Uh, uh, and and there's lots of issues in modesty that we're going to talk about tonight in shamefacedness and sobriety. Another scripture is found in First Peter chapter three, verses one through five. And it says it like this. Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. While they behold your chaste conversation, coupled with fear, whose adorning let it not be that outward adorning of plating of the hair and of wearing of gold 
or of putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart, in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. For after this manner in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands. The word used in this scripture is... Uh, in these, in these few scriptures that we're reading, and there's other scriptures that we're going to reference tonight, it's going to reference the word abomination. Abomination is something that God hates. It is something that disgusts God. Uh, the Bible makes reference to the sin of homosexuality, and it says it is an abomination before God, and, and such other types of sin that is addressed in the scriptures. Uh, an abomination is something that God hates, something that God is disgusted with. And the word modest is uh, explained or defined as decent, chaste, proper, uh, unpretentious, and pure. The shamefacedness word that we read here in the scriptures in 1 Timothy chapter 2 uh, means uh, a steadfastness in modesty, a propriety, a sense of modesty and reverence. the scriptural principles that are found here in the Word of God, there are scriptural principles that we're going to talk, talk through one by one here tonight. We know that God made man and woman different both physically, emotionally, and sexually. And when an individual dresses, they ought to always keep in mind that God made them with these differences And they ought to dress according to the way that would best fulfill God's purpose in their life. Amen. As a woman or as a man, you ought to dress in such a way that you can fulfill God's purpose in your life. You cannot, as a woman, fulfill God's purpose in in reaching out to your world and being a light to your world. If the man sees you and the first thing he looks at is he sees your chest or he sees your, your legs being uncovered. And how are you going to, as a, as a Christian woman, be able to witness, be able to testify when the man is constantly, his, his eyes are being directed to a different part of your body than they should be? How are you going to fulfill God's purpose for your life with the way that you dress? There is sex distinction in dress in Scripture. From the Old Testament, we again obtain the foundation for the different uh, way that the sexes are dressed. Uh, as we study the scripture, we understand that the men would wear breeches or a pant-like garment underneath a tunic. Amen. In the study of the scripture for this message tonight, these are some of the things that was uncovered. Amen. And the the men would wear breeches or a pant-like garment underneath a tunic, which covered the area from the chest to the bottom of the thighs or all the way to the ankles. But in each and every situation, the thighs were always completely covered. A man who was wearing only this garment, just the just the breeches, was considered naked. This was fastened around the waist with a girdle or a belt. And on top of this would be the outer garment, which had openings for the neck and the arms. The sleeves typically were long to the wrist, although some were to the elbow. The length of the tunic. As we studied, the word of God was to the ankles. And then a square piece of cloth called a mantle was worn. We've heard about the mantle in scriptures. Elijah's mantle and other mantles of the men of God. The mantle uh, that was a square piece of cloth that was worn. And many times this was draped over the shoulders. And at other times wrapped around the body. At night the mantle was used as a blanket. All of these different items and, uh, of clothing that we're mentioning tonight. Helped to completely cover the body. Helped to completely cover the body so that when people uh, looked upon the people of God, when other uh, heathen nations looked upon the people of God, they had to look at their face. And they had to see from their face, did they have the glow of the Lord? Were they able to project, amen, the presence of God through their face? Not through their bodies, not through uh, exposing their flesh, but through their faces and through their attitude, through their character and the way that they carried themselves. The women... In scripture did not wear breeches, but they but did wear a tunic and it was wider, longer and made of finer material. 
Then they wore an outer garment that had sleeves and that reached to the ankles. And this outer garment was worn only by women. Amen. In the scriptures, there was there was a distinction between the dress that the men wore from that which the women wore. A lot of times people will say, well, it's a cultural thing here in America that the, the men that the, the men and women wear the same uh, type of clothing. And I would say that that is not true. Amen. In fact, uh, through scriptures, there is uh, there is examples and scriptures that we just read that let us know that the men were different from that which pertaineth to a woman. And if you look back even through American history, just a few short years ago, the women all in all of the old time pictures, uh, the women all wear modest dresses and skirts and the, and the men wore the pants and the men wore the shirts. Uh, and there was there was a distinction between the dress of the men and the women. There's also to be modesty of dress. You say, well, I wear a dress. I'm a woman or I wear pants. I'm a man. But we also need to ask ourselves the question, does the way that I'm dressed portray me in a decent and a chaste way? It should be easily understood that a man would be modest in clothes. Amen. Dress should not be viewed as for your pleasure. And this is where I think a lot of us can get it wrong if we're not careful. That dress should not be viewed as for your pleasure, but for his pleasure. That he looks upon us and he is pleased with our lives. Not where we look in the mirror and think, well, I look good. But where we can, amen, look in the mirror of the word of God and say, how I'm dressed pleasing before the Lord. Is how I'm dressed pleasing to God. Would God ever be pleased with the body being immodestly exposed in public? No. And you must remember that as we read from the beginning here tonight, that God clothed Adam and Eve after they had sinned. He did so with modesty in mind in order to remove the shame of their nakedness. It's those that are in complete rebellion. Complete rebellion that you will see participating in a women's march in San Francisco bearing it all. Complete rebellion. I don't care about my sin. I don't care about my shame. I don't care about my nakedness. I defy the laws of God. But the people of God should cover up the nakedness. They should cover up the flesh. They should cover up and say, God, I want to please you. I want to please my maker. It should not be that uh, the men have to, in a conversation with another woman, have to look away yeah. because they don't want their eyes to see something that it shouldn't see. Right. It should be that you could be able to talk to another woman in the church and be able to look her in the eye and see the Holy Ghost and and, and not have to your your eyes don't have not have to wonder. As a as a teenage boy, with the raging hormones that teenage boys have. Amen. You say you may say, well, what other men in the church are going to be looking at my body? There's teenage boys that are coming into age. And it's there. It's a hormonal mess a lot of times. And if a woman, any woman is, is allowing uh, their legs to be exposed, their chest to be exposed, it's causing others to stumble. And there's a principle in the word of God that says, for the sake of my brother, I'm going to live in such a way that I can help my brother or my sister to live victoriously for God. It shouldn't be that you come to church and you struggle in church. Because, man, sister over there, I'm trying not to look, but it's just, yeah, it's just all right there. From that point on, that point in in the Garden of Eden, God instructed man and woman to be clothed. And he gave further instructions as to how they ought to be clothed. And when you understand the differences between male and female, it becomes obvious that to expose or to emphasize certain parts of the body, that becomes immodest. I've heard people say as when I was a young person, well, I'm not exposed. But you're emphasizing certain features of your body. There can be there can be women that they say, "Well, I'm clothed top to bottom. See, you can only see my hands, but everything on their body is skin tight." 
And you're like, oh my gosh. I can't talk to her. I can't look at her because I'm seeing what I don't want to see. We are to be separate from the world. The church of the living God is to be separate from the world. Romans chapter 12 and verse number 2 says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You say, well, everybody around me, everybody in the world around me is dressed this way. Everybody allows their kids to dress this way. But the Bible says, be not conformed to this world. Don't be conformed to this world's thinking or ideologies or philosophies. But because there is a higher, there is a higher principle found in the word of God, how we are to live our lives. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your minds. The spirit, there is a spiritual significance of dress. You say, show me that scripture. If you, uh, if you go to the, the Gospels in the New Testament, what's the name of the individual that had all the devils? What is it? Legion. What was Legion wearing when God found him? Nothing. And he had lost his mind, full of the devil. And what was the first thing that happened to the Lord when God delivered him? He was clothed. And in his right mind. The first thing that happened when God got a hold of Legion and God delivered him of those spirits, he put clothes on. And it represented wholeness. It represented he was in his right mind. He realized, I've got to deal with the sin in my life. I've got to cover it up. And God wants his people to be covered and to be holy. And it is how we dress is reflective of our, our inward spiritual walk with God. You can argue with me all day long, but when I get to praying and I get to seek in the face of God and it comes time for church, I'm going to make sure that I dress my best to church. But I can take you back time after time in my life as a young person that just a few years ago when I was struggling spiritually and I felt like I was on the verge of backsliding. I said, I'm just going to come in your way. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to come in jeans and an and unbuttoned shirt, uh, un, an untucked shirt. And how I dressed wasn't bad. It's okay to wear jeans. It's okay to wear an untucked shirt. But I came sloppy to the house of God. And that was reflective of my uh, how I thought about the things of God. You say, well, I, I'm comfortable. But are you Dressing to please God when you come to church. Are you making up in your mind, I'm going to go to the house of God. And I'm going to talk to God. I'm going to fellowship with God. I want to dress my best. When you went on the first date with your, your spouse or your boyfriend or girlfriend, whomever it was in your life, you dressed to impress. Don't ever forget how it was on the first date. You dress to impress. You better make sure you spray all that cologne or perfume on you and you press that shirt and you you made sure your shoes look good and you made sure everything looked just right. Because you want to make sure that they they like you and they, they keep looking at you and they keep being interested in you. But the moment, amen, you get a few years in a marriage, if you're not careful, you're like, well, who cares? But if you can keep that love alive, if you can keep wanting to please the, the, your spouse. You're going to keep wanting to say, hey, I want to dress to impress. What do you like? What do you, and, I, and there's times I've asked, I've asked my wife, she'd ask me, do you like this outfit? Do I like that outfit? Why? Because we care what the other person thinks. We care it matters to me what she thinks. If, if I'm going to be a, you know, a punk, I'll say, I don't care what you like. I'll wear what I want to wear. But if, if she says, I really, I, just, I really don't like that, I'll say, okay, I'll change it. And, it, and it's because I want to please her. And the same way with God. As we come to the house of God, let's make sure that we come dressed our best. Let's make sure that we come to the house of God not sloppy. We come, amen, we put our hair together. If you're, if you're you know, uh, you've got to iron your shirt, you're going to put a suit on, a tie on, whatever. You're going to shave your face. You're going you're to do whatever it takes to get ready for church. Put deodorant on and get ready. You make sure, hey, I didn't just show up to church. I prepared myself. I got ready. I thought about it. 
What am I going to wear tonight to church? What am I going to, how am I going to dress? How am I going to look? How am I going to uh, dress to impress, to please God? I'm not coming to please you. I'm coming to please him. I want God to be impressed with how I dress. If that priest in the tabernacle would have, amen, thrown, amen, thrown things to the wind and said, I don't care what the law says. I don't care what they say. I don't care what the standards. I'm just going to go into that holy of holies because God knows my heart. That man would have been pulled out. Dragging on his face on the dirt with the rope around his ankle. And everybody else in that tavern, in that tent, in, in that uh, campsite would know he did not do something right. So I'm going to make sure when I approach the things of God, I'm going to prepare myself. I'm going to prepare my, my vessel. I'm going to prepare my, uh, I'm going to prepare how I dress. I'm going to get ready for church. I, I'm going I'm to prepare myself. I'm going to come looking nice. For the house of God. Amen. I'm not going to come sloppy. I'm going to prepare my hair. I'm going to shave my face. I'm going to press my shirt. Do whatever I got to do. That I might come. And he might receive my sacrifice. He might receive my worship. It means a whole lot to God. How you dress. And how you conduct yourselves. In the house of God. It matters a great deal. Amen. It, amen. It is reflected on the outside. What's on the inside. It's reflected on the outside of the condition of your heart. Amen. What, what's going on the inside of your heart is reflected on the outside. People can look and they must, they must say, you know what? I think Brother Nathan loves God. Why? Well, he came early to church. He got dressed up. He seems to be doing praying. He, he's got to love God. And you just observe that from the things that you saw. The things that you saw. It matters a great deal how we dress. And dress reflects what we truly are on the inside. It is an expression of God to ourselves. It is also an expression of ourselves to others. If you study American history again, there was what was called the hippie movement. And if you want to be a hippie, you made sure you wore some bell bottoms. You made sure you wore a nice tie-dyed shirt. You want people to know, hey, I'm a hippie. You, you want to make sure people knew, I'm, a, I'm associated with this movement. Sleep, look at my big, long beard. Look at my long, unkept hair. Smell me. I mean, you could go down the list and make sure you know I'm a hippie. Look at my nice Volkswagen bug or van. I'm a hippie. Look at the flower. I'm a hippie. And they, they wanted others to know that they were a part of something. They wanted others to know that they were a part of the hippie movement. Does that make sense tonight? It matters how we dress. I'm trying to communicate tonight. If, if you're a businessman, and you go to work at an attorney, you make sure you're wearing your suit and tie and you're looking good. If you, if you ever, perchance, drive down Wilson Way in Stockton, you guys know where I'm going with this? And you look down the road, you see, that's, she's working. I'll leave it at that. You know. How she's dressed. She's inviting some attention. She's working. And, and she, that woman wants to make sure people know, I'm working. There's a, there's a distinction how they dress. They're trying to allure. They're wanting to make sure you know what they're associated with. They want to make sure that you know. There's detrimental effects of unholy dress as we move through tonight. It feeds the lust of the flesh. Unholy dress feeds the lust of the flesh. It appeals to the lust of the eyes and it appeals to the pride of life. Our external appearance molds our behavior and our inner self. It affects one's moods. It affects others' expectations. There is an impact upon society. By the way that we dress. Some, the way that we dress, sometimes it teaches false values. It places in the emphasis, the, the society that we live in places the emphasis upon sex appeal. 
It, it, it causes a blurring of the proper roles, gender distinction, the way that society uh, wants you and I to dress. It wants it to be uh, there to be no line, it to be blurry, the line to be blurry. People can't tell if they look at you from the back. Is that a man or a woman? Well, I'm not sure. Let's talk to him. Let's hear his voice or her voice. Because they have the they both got the short hair and they're both wearing pants. And I don't know what they are. But the people of God, there should be a distinction. There should be a distinguishing mark of the people of God. There should be a distinguishing mark of the people of God. We mentioned the demoniac of Gadara. And that's in Luke chapter 8 and 26. Amen. He was clothed in his right mind when God saved him. Amen. On the contrary, you have in 2 Kings chapter 9 and verse number 30. It talks about Jezebel who played the role of the harlot. And she got all decked out so she could seduce the man of God. She did everything she could to seduce him because she knew that the outside appearance of my flesh is going to cause some reactions in, in the opposite sex. It's going to cause some reactions in him. Amen. And so she knew those particular things. Modesty in the Bible. If the Bible has any meaning, some clothing must be immodest. At minimum, changing. At minimum, clothing. One step away from nudity, such as mini skirts and bikinis, shorts and halter tops, would be immodest because they would expose the flesh. The purpose of modest dress in the Bible and in our in our church today is to subdue the lust or the improper thoughts that the exposed body brings. It's to subdue that. It's to subdue the lust. If, if you come here tonight or somebody else comes here tonight and they, they struggle with the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and they come to the house of God seeking deliverance and they're looking over and they're saying, man, I'm struggling here in church too. How am I ever going to make a living for God? The body should basically be covered except for those members which are, op- which are used openly for daily living. This suggests... Amen. Clothes should cover torso and upper limbs. Amen. And for here we read in Isaiah as we come to a close quickly. Isaiah chapter 47, 1 through 3. I want someone to read that for me. Isaiah chapter 47, 1 through 3. When you have it, go ahead and read it out loud. If we're to give a standard tonight and this particular verse for the women and the length of the skirts, the skirts are to be below the knee. Because when a woman sits on a chair, that skirt is going to come up. And if that skirt comes up and exposes the thighs, that's immodest. I hope that makes sense tonight. Furthermore, and we're not, we don't always talk about this. You all as a church know that. But there are things in the Bible that we've got to cover from time to time. Some may say, well, my skirt goes below my knee. But my slit comes up my thighs. The word of God lets us to know that the thighs are to be covered. We're to be holy. And just like the, we, we expect the women to cover their thighs... We expect the men to do the same. Amen. We expect it. That's what the word of God says. We're to avoid dressing immodestly, especially in the house of God. But also, as we're out about doing our daily business, we're to come to church dressed our best. When we come to the house of God, we should be looking. What can I wear tonight? 
that would look my best? What can I wear tonight that would bring glory to God? There's times in the business of life that you come straight from work sometimes and you're just happy to be at service. And, and God knows, hey, I, I barely made it by the skin of my teeth. I'm here. And I've been there. I'll also tell you about a man I respect. I respect it greatly. He's no longer here. He's gone to be with the Lord. But Brother Ken Pompliano, a man, a man that impacted me greatly. He would live in Gilroy, work in Fremont, and go to church in San Jose. And when he went to work in Fremont, he could he didn't have the time to go home to Gilroy to change. He had to go straight to church. He made up in his mind, I'm going to bring a suit to work because I'm going to change when I get to church. And he told me, Brother Nate, why aren't you wearing a suit? I said, and he's direct. If you know Brother, Brother Ken, he was direct. I'm like, man, he's just calling me out on this. And I, I had no excuse because, you know, even I worked in San Francisco and I would go straight to San Jose. But he had a suit in his car every time. I'm going to church. I'm going to go early and I'm going to pray and I'm going to put my suit on. Yeah, I worked, but I brought a change of clothes. And he made up his mind. And, and I never forgot that. And I remember as a kid many times growing up in church. We had church a lot of times in the back of my parents' house. And it was just a few of us. But every single service, my father had a suit and tie on. Not one I remember he didn't have a suit or tie on. I thought, you know what? That man is a true Christian. That man believes it. No matter what. And even today, he's not the pastor no more. He's the bishop of our church. He still comes ready to go. Something to be said about someone that comes prepared, ready. I thought about it. I prepared myself. I prepared an offering. I didn't just look at my wallet and say, oh, that's all I got. And I'll just give that. I prepared something. I thought about it. <coughs> Let us stand to our feet, amen, as we close. And I'm going to read just a couple more verses in your hearing. First Peter chapter 3 and verse number 4 says, But let it be the hidden man of the heart, in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. It's talking about the hidden man of the heart. The ornament of a meek and quiet spirit. You can't see the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit if the flesh is covered. If the flesh is, is just, all you see is flesh. And how can I see the meek and quiet spirit of Sister Gina if, if I can't get past all the things that she's showing or not showing? How can I see the meek and quiet spirit? And this scripture in 1 Peter 3 and 4 Talking about the hidden man of the heart and the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit. Let me know that there's nothing wrong with some bling bling. As long as it's the inside bling bling of the heart. People see, what a jewel. What a jewel. No, I'm talking about your heart. I'm talking about what's on the inside. What a beautiful spirit that person has. What a beautiful Attitude. And the final scripture tonight in 1 Peter 2 and 9 says, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, an holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And so I end with this. Let your dress, let your appearance, the way you... Come to church the way you conduct yourself. Let it be lived. Let, it, let your body be dressed in such a way that it shows forth 
not your nakedness, not your sin. But it shows forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Let your life, your attire, your appearance show forth the praises. And don't let your light be encumbered with flesh. Don't let people see you and all they see is flesh. Let them see you covered, clothed, and in your right mind, and worshiping God. Let them see the praises on your lips. Let them see the distinction, the distinguishing mark of the people of God. Amen. Right where we are, why don't we just stretch our hands to heaven and let's worship God for a few moments before we're dismissed and we close tonight. Come on, I want us just to talk to God here tonight. God, I'm asking you, Lord, tonight that you would give us the anointing of the Holy Ghost. I'm praying tonight, God, you give us revelation and understanding. God, help us to have that desire to please you, God. Help us to honor and fear the Lord. Help us to fear the Lord and eschew evil, God. Help us to cleave to that which is good and abhor that which is evil, God. Help us to abide by the standards found in the Word of God. How we live and how we dress and how we conduct ourselves, God. Help us to do our part, Lord. Help us to be to dress as becoming Christians, Lord. God, help us to be holy and dress in our appearance, Lord. God, help us to please you and fear you with all of our hearts and all of our souls, God. Help us to come prepared, God. Help us to bring an offering of worship. Help us that we might be able to show forth the praises of him who's called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Help us to show forth praises, God, and not our shame and not our nakedness to a world, but let them see the provisions that God has made for us. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your word, O oh God. Hallelujah. Amen. This is God's church. It's God's church. Amen. I felt that since Sunday. Amen. They got to sing it, and I got to feel that spirit of victory in the house. The church of the living God is victorious. If you're struggling with things tonight, you can overcome them by the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. It is not the will of God that you live struggling, depressed, oppressed, but that you live with victory and power and authority with God. And there be a smile on your face because of the joy of the Lord. Amen. This is God's church. You are the people of God. Amen. Let's live like we're the people of God and let's show forth his praises. God bless you. We'll see you back here on Sunday morning. Turn around shake somebody's hand. If you have an offering. Amen. The offering baskets are up here for your convenience as well.